Let's do this thing. All right, you ready, Freddy? Hold on, let me mute this on my phone before it starts going off. Oh, that's you. You texted me? Let me see. Oh, wow. It doesn't look as bad as it looks. Oh, I, I can definitely, like, see where it would have been, like, horrible. And it was leaking from all those little lines? Oh. Oh, my God. And it was dripping out of the ceiling fan. Mm-hmm. It was dripping out of both of the lights on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have the electricity off to that room? I'm in here right now with Rodney. <gasps> Ooh, that's scary. That's real scary. I don't know. I don't. I don't want you to like blow up or anything. Is that what happens? Do people just blow up? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Bree. And I'm Nikki. So this episode it takes place in a city that I have never heard of. I'm gonna start right at the beginning and say that if I pronounce this incorrectly, <laughs> you say it every. I YouTubed how to pronounce it, or how the locals pronounce it, so we're just gonna fly by the seat of our pants. It's Nakona, Texas. You just automatically assume I'm saying it wrong? No. (laughs) It's N-O-C-O-N-A. So, while I was reading everything, I kept pronouncing it in my head, Nakona. Nakona? Yeah. Or you were putting an O where the A is. I was putting O's everywhere. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, well, let me YouTube how they say it. And there's like a whole like video of them taking a drone over the town to like show all. Anyway, it's the guy in the video says Nakona. Okay. So that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Nakona. Nakona it is. Nakona, Texas. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. Okay. So Nakona is in North Texas. Like, bordering Oklahoma, just east of Wichita Falls, okay? It's a small town. It's known for being named after a Comanche chief. And it's the last stop before crossing the Red River, which runs along the border of Texas and Oklahoma. So that tells you how close it is. It's up there. Do you know why they call the Red River the Red River? Because it's red. Okay. I I didn't know that. Anyway, uh, the town's full of, like, Texas history, Native American heritage. Uh, It's being advertised as the classic car capital of Texas. So that's the town. Okay. All right. It's a nice little wholesome town. But as the millennium approached, the millennium, get it? The millennium? A plague would hit this small town and haunt them for years to come. Okay. So this is the angel of death. I like putting a name on it because it makes it sound super epic. <laughs> anyway, we're going to start talking about Vicky. Vicky Jackson was born February 13th, 1966 in Indiana. Her family moved to Nakona, Texas when she was young. She was the oldest of two children and her father was a shade tree mechanic and her mother was a cook at a nursing home. So, kind of unrelated, but I looked up what a shade tree mechanic is because, well, I didn't know. Do you know what that is? No. 
So it's basically a mechanic without a shop and a hot tech equipment. Oh, like okay. you get it like shade tree mechanic. Yeah. Like <laughs> so, like all of the people in Texas, because we fix our own shit. Well, not we. But... <laughs> no, no, not you and I. <laughs> Just kidding. We as a whole. Yeah, as a community of frozen people. So Vicky had always dreamed of becoming a nurse. Uh, she was a nurse's aide as early as junior high school. She married her first husband while she was still in high school and shortly divorced after they got married. Vicky then married Leroy Carson while she was still in high school in 1984. They had two children together. That's when she started attending night school to become a nurse. After finally earning her degree... She held several jobs at nursing homes and hospital all around that area. So things between Vicky and Leroy didn't really work out, so they divorced in 96. Vicky then married Kirk Jackson, okay? okay? Now, in 2000, after allegations of abuse by Kirk, her kids moved in with their father, Leroy. 2000 would become a really tough year for Vicky. She lost custody of her kids. Uh, after a fight with her husband, Kirk, she had a miscarriage. Uh, and, and Vicky told family members that she had recently seen a psychiatrist and been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So this was a tough year. So Vicky uh, had landed herself a position at Nakona General Hospital along with her estranged husband, Kirk. At that time, Nakona General, was a, it was a very small hospital. It had about 18 rooms. 45 beds and one hallway. So super small. Okay. Real small. So everything at the hospital ran really smoothly all the time. Everyone knew the doctors and nurses by name and the caregivers knew each patient by name and checked on them daily. Small town. You're going to know everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Right. Then in late December of 2000, patients started to die. They're just dying. On December 11th, 2000, Donna Jennings passed away. She was 100 years old. 100. 100 years. Then, on December 20th, they lost Sanford Mitchell. Then on the 24th, Boyd Burnett died. Then on the 29th, they lost James Gore. Do you? Let me see if I can throw you off. So, Dr. Chance Dingler, yeah, was an attending physician at the time. And he said he had no idea what was going on. And they just thought it was a run of bad luck. Most of the patients were elderly, elderly so it was kind of to be expected, right? Like they were just, I mean, it was just old people dying. By the end of January 2001, they had a total of 15 deaths. Jim Holder, Dorothy Vanderberg, J.T. Nichols, John Williams, Alma Weiler, Orville Moore. Even Vicky's estranged husband, Kirk's grandfather, was at the hospital for cellulitis. <laughs> Go ahead, keep laughing. Anyway, he had a fever and he died too. Everett, Everett Jackson, Kirk's grandfather. He, he had a fever and other things. Hospital officials were scrambling to try to determine what was happening. Then on February 6th, 2001, they notified authorities that something was wrong, right? Right. Okay. Two days later, the hospital pharmacist notified the State Board of Pharmacy that vials of, don't laugh at me, vials of Mivacron. <laughs> yeah. 
were either lost or stolen. Do you know what Mivacron is? I think it paralyzes you. Huh? What? What the hell? How did you know that? There, there was another case that I looked up, and it was a while back. But I didn't even—I don't even think I said the word right. How the hell did you know what that was? Did I say it right? Well, you're right. It's an IV drug. It's a skeletal, yeah, it's a skeletal muscle relaxant used with general anesthesia to facilitate uh, tracheal intubation during surgery. Okay, okay. So it's a paralytic used during surgery to, that way the muscles will relax so they can intubate. So it's usually, there's, there's another drug that's usually used after surgery to reverse the effects of it. Okay. Do you hear the dogs now? But I don't know what to do with that. What? I don't know. I've had so many surgeries that I'm thinking, like, was, did they use it on me? I don't, I don't know. Keep going. I don't know, and I started to look and see if it was still something that's currently still being used during surgeries, but I lost my train of thought, and I, I did, forgot to look it up. So, anyway, they may not use that anymore, but back then, that's back then, like, it was, like, so long ago. So, that's what that was. Uh, the pharmacy log showed that the drug was repla- was replaced on the crash cart, and it was nowhere to be found in the hospital. So it's not like it was stolen from the pharmacy or lost from the pharmacy. It was it was on the crash cart when it was gone when it went missing. So hospital authorities were determining that not only were vials of the paralytic drug missing from crash carts, but all of the patients that had died recently had last been checked on by Nurse Vicky. Nurse Vicky. The CEO of the hospital, Charles Norris, decided to inform the proper authorities about what they had discovered to decide what to do. They couldn't accuse her of anything because they didn't have any proof. Right. They couldn't fire her because they didn't have any proof and they couldn't have her arrested because they didn't have any proof. So, the proper authorities are like, let's set up some cameras. Don't tell your workers that we're setting them up, we're going to set up some cameras. So they did. And then, another patient was found unable to breathe. Donnelly Reed had been admitted for post-polio syndrome and was actually preparing to be released when he stopped breathing. Luckily, they were able to revive him and he survived. He told the doctors and the nurses that helped him that Nurse Vicky had put something in his IV, and by the time she got to the door to leave, he couldn't breathe, and she left. Then, authorities discovered a syringe in the trash at Vicky and Kirk's house. Mm -hmm. So, Vicky and Kirk were fired from the hospital. You want to be like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Then in June of 2001, authorities, including the FBI and the Texas Rangers, decided let's exhume some of these bodies of these patients to figure out what really happened, right? So from the very get-go, nobody thought Kirk had anything to do with it. They, I mean, everything was all on Vicky because Kirk wasn't even on duty when some of these people had passed away. And he didn't have access to drugs or IVs or anything like that the way that Vicky did. She was a nurse. He, I think he was just an aide. So he, you know, he did the like CNA stuff. Right. So evidence would show that these patients had been injected with the drug Mivacrone. Mivacrone. And 
Vicky had been on duty during all of the deaths. Oh, well, that's not suspicious. Are you being facetious? <laughs> Using your newly learned word. I'm so proud. I know, I learned it yesterday. When we tried to record and I couldn't get the stupid thing to work and you, instead of using sarcastic, you said facetious. So, yes, I was being facetious. <laughs> okay. So, in July of 2002, I don't know why it sounded like I said that wrong. July. Whatever. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Like, you say a word over and over again that you've said forever and you know you're saying it right, but it's like, is yeah, that? It's like, it's like fork. Oh, my like God. Fork. I can't. Can't with fork. And then after that, it's like, fork. Right. Yeah. See, I'm not really illiterate. I'm just confused. In July of 2002, Vicky was arrested on capital murder charges. Mm, good. Well, it covered the deaths of two people. Vicky maintained her innocence and told her attorneys that it was important to her that she not be found guilty. Okay. That, that was important. Of course. It's important to me, too. I don't ever want to be found guilty. In- <laughs> I mean, speak for yourself, because I would want to be found guilty every time. There's that facetious word again. The hooligan! <laughs> so, in total, there were ten confirmed deaths and suspected six more and injured at least three others. Uh, not all of the victims were named. I did name off some of them, but that's only because... Those victims' families were, they came out and open with it. The rest of them are protected under confidentiality laws. So, trial didn't begin until 2005. So, she arrested in 02, tri- didn't go to trial till 05, right? Uh, but the judge declared a mistrial. Mm. Apparently, uh, the prosecution said in the opening statement something along the lines of, quote, no one may ever be able to provide motive, not even Jackson herself, for the crimes at Nakona General Hospital four years ago. End quote. What does that matter? Okay, right? That's how I feel. I'm like, what? Apparently, the statement indicates that Vicky was going to testify, and she's not required to. So the judge said that the statement influenced jurors against her. Oh, okay. And I feel like that's a stretch, but that's fine. In 2006, Vicky pled no contest... Mainly because her daughter was scheduled to testify against her. So, what is the difference between no contest and guilty, you ask? Because you just asked it, right? I know you were thinking it. I heard it. So, here's the difference. Plea of no contest means that the accused does not agree with the charges, but accepts whatever punishment goes along with them. If someone pleads guilty, it's more or less an admission. Right. Right. So, it's stupid. Since the prosecution wasn't originally seeking the death penalty, the no contest plea meant that she automatically gets life in prison. So she would automatically get a life sentence, right? Right. Of course, she continues to appeal her conviction. Every news outlet covered the story of the nurse that kills. Many people that knew her called her the sweetest person in the world. They said that she was definitely... A friend to everybody. She was always somebody that was willing to help people. People loved her. So they were super shocked when they found out that this had happened. But because she was just like this like super sweet person that did this horrible thing, the media labeled her the angel of death. 
there. She is currently being held at the hobby unit in Marlin, Texas, and is eligible. Mm-hmm. And is eligible for parole for parole in July of 2042. Oh wow! I'm eligible for retirement before then. I I check it. I check it often. <laughs> so there you have it, Vicky Jackson. The Angel of Death. Wow. Now that I've told you the story, here are my concerns. Okay. What? And obviously, I am nowhere close to a medical professional in any way, shape, or form. But why wouldn't the doctors that were taking care of these patients not say, uh, I mean, I know she was 100, but why'd she stop breathing? Yeah, like, there's a problem. Like, did she have a stroke? Did she have a heart attack? Like... Maybe she was just so, maybe Vicky was just such a nice person. They were like, no, there's no way. I mean, I totally see where that could happen. But at the same time, like, I would still question what the heck's happening to people. I wouldn't necessarily jump to one of my nurses is doing this. Right. But, I mean, there were several lawsuits filed against her and the hospital because, of course, families of some of these victims found out that they kept her on staff. After they had suspicions because they, they didn't have another cho- any other choice. However, I mean, one would say that the hospital was just trying to cover their rear right. from lawsuit for unlaw- or, yeah, unlawfully firing her. And I was reading some of her appeals on the Justia Law. And in one of them, it sounds like they got pretty freaking close. Because the syringe that they found at her home was never tested for DNA. So they never, all they did was prove that it was in her trash can at her house. It doesn't prove that she touched it or administered it. However, the syringe has since been destroyed. So they have no way of testing it. But that was one of the things her lawyers also appealed because they're supposed to hold on to evidence for a certain length of time for this very reason. So I don't know if she gets out. Watch watch out, North Texas. Clearly not. And um, if she does get out, is she able to, like, be a nurse again? No, no, no. Her, her license was, uh... Com- revoked? Yeah. She can't get it back? Yeah, it was revoked indefinitely. Like, it's it's done. But, <laughs> shockingly enough that you brought that, I'm so glad you brought that up because <laughs> I was just about to tell you. No, I wasn't. But anyway, the Texas Monthly, which, if you don't subscribe to Texas Monthly, you should. I don't. Maybe I should. Anyway, they went to interview her. Because they did a story about it. And she maintains her innocence. She says that she loves helping people. She would never kill anyone. Ever. So how did she explain it? Uh, She said it wasn't her. She didn't do anything. She's like, I have no idea how that happened. Yeah, but I pled no contest. Anyway. So, uh, but yeah, so she maintains her innocence. And she said that she's put in a request at her uh unit to work in the infirmary. She just wants, she just loves to help people and she feels like she could be beneficial in the infirmary. And I'm like, they're going to jump right on that opportunity. Put you. So helpful. Help. Yes. So, um, yeah, she's definitely bipolar. (laughs) She's crazy. But. And I do feel bad for for people. There are people that have, I mean. I agree with that, but I also know that there are people who are bipolar that know that they're bipolar, and they refuse 
to seek treatment for said diagnosis. And so those people I don't feel bad for. Like, you need to, there's nothing wrong with having that kind of a diagnosis. You just need to, you need to be treated for it. There's nothing wrong with being treated for that. Like, don't get me started. They, so she obviously killed her husband's grandfather. And yeah, and she, she went to the funeral. She took potato salad. Just potato salad's good. Do they not have potato salad up north? Is that not like a thing? Like down here in Texas, like potato salad's like a, it's like a common side. Is it a southern thing? Oh, well, we have some international listeners and y'all need to take some, taste potato salad so good. So it depends on where you get it too, but um, they, you know, they do different things in different areas. And I think like in the north they do like, um, do, is it funeral potatoes? What? I think, I think, I think they call it funeral potatoes. What the heck are funeral potatoes? <laughs> that sounds so depressing. Does it not? I mean, no, it totally does. Funeral potatoes. It's a thing. I know. I just Googled it. Oh my God. That's, you know what that is? It says it's popular in American inner mountain west and midwest. Listen, that's tater tot casserole. Y'all stop trying to call it something fancy. Funeral potatoes. This is tater tot casserole is what this is. It's not. Yes, it is. Funeral potatoes. Call funeral potatoes. It is not tater tot casserole. Funeral potatoes. Well, I guess it ain't. It looks like it. Did they put cornflakes on top of that? For crying out loud. So, for crying out loud. So it just depends on where you're at. I want to say that it's more the southern states that do potato salad. Mm-hmm. Potato salad's the bomb. I love potato salad. But I like the uh, like the mustard potato salad. It's got kind of a tarty tartiness to it. I do, I do both in my well, you put both in them anyway, but like Gigi would make them, our grandmother is Gigi, anyway, she would make them, she would add more mustard than mayo, and so it had more of a yellowish yeah, color, yellow right, and so it's it's got, it's more tarty and not so sweet. Right, maybe that's why, because I probably got the recipe from her. Yeah, so good, mm-hmm, yeah, yep, so she took potato salad. Probably wasn't any good. Well, that was good. That's interesting. I didn't know. I mean, I've heard of like things happening at hospitals. I mean, you have like Doctor Death and stuff like that. But I had never heard of this nurse or this town. So this was this was a new opportunity for me. So it's a new fear I will have every time I go to a hospital. Listen, I that scares me all the time. You know how many times Yeah. Every time I go in and I'm like, I'm going to get this sleep and I'm going to die. They're going to kill me on purpose. I mean, on purpose? Well, <laughs> well I go in and I'm like, I'm going to be nice. very nice. And you know how I am. Yeah, yeah. But when I go to a hospital and my life is completely in someone else's hands, mm-hmm. I am very nice. <laughs> yeah. Know, whether I agree or disagree with anything that they say. I, I'm like, oh, yes, mm-hmm, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, I guess I've had a different experience. I've never been, like, in surgery the way that you have. I've literally been hospitalized, like, one time, and that was for childbirth, and there was no niceness coming out of me whatsoever. Well, that's a little different. I mean, you're not going to get put to sleep. Like, that first shift nurse, 
I guarantee you hates my guts. I, st- I don't know who she is. I don't care. She was rude. Um, but the second shift nurse, um, she was pretty awesome. She she dated our uncle for a little while. She was pretty amazing. I really liked her a lot. But um, I guess so I haven't really, I guess I haven't really had those experiences where you have to fear that they're not going to take absolutely take care of you 100%, you know? Well, you know, I think Grey's Anatomy ruined it for me. I'm telling you. Because <laughs> yeah, that last surgery that I had, the last two surgeries I had was in a teaching hospital. Oh, shit. So I was like. Yeah, they're all just in a, they're all in a closet somewhere having sex. They're not paying any attention to you. Yeah. I'm like, no intern is going to be working on me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I need an attending, please. I need an I attending. Need <laughs> blue scrubs. Yeah. Dark blue scrubs. I don't want the light ones. I don't want the light scrubs. <laughs> but I want to say that we asked, I want, I don't know if maybe like, maybe it was one of the times mom was in the hospital or something, but I want to say we asked the nurses. Was it when you were in there? Yes. I was like, Do you does this happen? Yeah. And they're like, we've seen it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, do y'all all just like run around and have sex like they do on there? Mm-hmm. And she laughed and she's like, no. She's like, it happens sometimes yeah yeah but she said she's like things happen more than you would think they would but she she did say that it was a lot of like them sleeping and eating up at the hospital like all the time so shout out to them because i'm not doing that (laughs) all the healthcare workers who know how to pronounce words properly (laughs) but god forbid you're able to read their handwriting well you don't have any room to talk i have horrible handwriting yeah you write like a doctor it's awful yeah should be a doctor absolutely handwriting so bad yeah just give you a prescription pad. You can fake something. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that 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 was a good one. And um, everybody's lucky that we were able to get an episode out this week because we're frozen. We are frozen down here. And stop making fun of us. And you didn't have electricity for a long time, right? What were your intervals for the for the people internationally that are listening that are wondering how Texas is doing? It was thirty minutes on, thirty minutes off. Oh my god! And I understand. on. Let's hurry up and do whatever we need to do. Right, and I totally understand that that it's saving energy. However, there's no way a home can stay warm with how cold it was with no electricity for that length of time. So, yeah, it's everybody, everybody's just been ridiculously cold. There have been so many deaths related to this. I was just reading earlier that there was like a six-year-old that they found that in her room that they think had died of hypothermia. Oh, It's just, it's ridiculously cold. And people up north are, <laughs> they are making fun of us. And I'm like, don't, please don't do that. Come down here when it's 110 degrees and tell me how Yeah, fair. exactly. Because it's, if somebody said it perfectly, our homes aren't built to withstand this kind of cold. Our, we don't have the equipment that, the state doesn't have the equipment to do everything that needs to be done to clear off roads and everything else. We just don't, it's because it's not, our funds are centered for other things that we have to deal with on a regular basis. Not being cold and frozen snow and everything else. It's just, it's been crazy. I've been fortunate enough not to lose power. Only because I suspect we're connected to the police station. So, we've been very fortunate. Okay. 
Yeah. It doesn't mean that we were any less cold than everybody else. It's been tough for a lot of people. A lot of people. So, uh, and you know, people are just like really giving Ted Cruz a hard time. I'm sorry. I would do the same thing. Uh, yeah. If I could have just flown to a warmer climate, I totally would have done that. Or at least sent my kids to a warmer place. Yeah. So that's what, that's, that's how Texas is doing right now, folks. And the reason why it didn't happen to Oklahoma, they were able to borrow energy from the northern states. Did you know that? No, but this is uh, crime shots. It is not. <laughs> well, look, stop. I, I can complain about the stinking weather. We're allowed to complain right now. True. It's like. But I'm just going to, I'm just going to cut you off and be like, that was a good episode. So. That's rude. No, I'm not ready. On to the next.